Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jamie Baines. Today's guest is Gloria Miles, a writer, mother, and Navy veteran. I came across Gloria's posts on Instagram and reached out to her to see if she'd be interested in sharing her experiences on the podcast, and she agreed. Take a listen to our conversation and let me know what you think. Hey, Gloria, welcome to the podcast. We appreciate you coming. Can you uh, introduce yourself? Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, uh, my name is Gloria Miles, and I did want to put a gentle content warning on what we're about to talk about, um, just because we will be dealing with mental health, depression, and suicide. That being said, that is a lot of what I write about. So I write a lot about trauma. I write a lot about mental health. And then I do write about suicide for awareness and also for prevention. And that comes from a personal place because I... Yeah, I was going to say, can Go you tell us? No, I was going to say, can you tell us about that? I, I know it does come from a personal place, and I know it can be hard to talk about, but. Yeah, um, so my husband died by suicide in 2011. Um, we were both in the military at the time, and we bo- we had, well, I my my two youngest. Um, well, I guess they were they were the youngest then. Uh, they were four and two. So uh, in 2011, I found myself um, 24 years old with two boys under the age of five by myself. And the world that I knew was just over. And I struggled a lot with it. My command was very supportive. I did end up being um, discharged a little bit early from the Navy so that I could, you know, obviously, you know, my child care situation had changed drastically. So it was... It was, it was good. My, my commanding officer was in, immensely supportive during that time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I, I reached out and, and kind of looked for resources and things of that nature, I, I found very little on it. I found a lot on death and on grief and on loss, but not on suicide. And I find writing very cathartic. So I think that's where this kind of journey of, of talking about it and processing and writing came about because... I didn't find what I needed to read and who I needed to talk to. And I have posted a lot of my things on Medium. And if you go there, a lot of the comments are people who otherwise are very shy or just didn't want to talk about it because it is very taboo. Here in the United States, it's very, very taboo to talk about death, let alone suicide. I was going to ask you about that. Is that is that why you think that there's not so much written on it or about it because it is taboo, or at least <clears throat> it, it shouldn't be taboo, but unfortunately it is? I do think so. I think there's, there's shame in it a little bit. I think there's, um, it's a very complex grief. It's very complicated. And sometimes you get reactions that you kind of don't know what to to do with so you know we were young very young we were both in the military we had the you know we had our two kids and it's stressful and that meant that like everybody else's marriage it was being tested a lot and we were fighting a lot towards the end especially and I remember I had um somebody that was from my command say well at least you didn't have this perfect marriage when he died and you get comments like that, and it's jarring, and so then you don't want to talk about it. Um, they but mean the less, well, but they're not really, they're not yeah. really helping, right? Yeah, and I, I think it's meant to comfort, like, well, you know, at least this, and, and kind of like when you experience maybe a pregnancy loss, a lot of people will tell you, like, well, maybe it wasn't meant to be, you could have another baby, and things like that, and it's meant to try and, and help and kind of dull the edges of the grief, but 
it doesn't, you know, that's not how it, that's not, that's not helpful. Yeah. And what I have found to be helpful for myself and for other people is sharing the experiences because then others recognize themselves in what you write and they say, I felt the same way. I thought the same way, or I felt similarly, but also this. And the only way that we can break through stigma and through taboo is by talking about it and kind of shining light on the light on it. Um, and obviously one of my biggest fears is that either one of our sons does the same thing. Like I'm terrified less now, but I was especially terrified when I, when, you know, they were younger because I thought, oh my gosh, if this is a mental health thing and they struggle with depression as well, who's to say that they're not going to take their own lives when they grow up. Um, and again, as with anything with fear, the more you educate yourself on it, the more you realize there are things to be done and there are resources and there are support structures out there. Not as many as I would like to see, but there are things out there. And as a parent, I've, I've reached out to other parents or I've written about my sons who do, my, my oldest does um, struggle with depression. Mm -hmm. And he struggles with suicidal ideation, which means he doesn't have an active plan um, to complete suicide. But there are days where he feels like, I would just wish I wasn't here. And things like that, which I think sometimes, you know, that teenage angstiness that mm -hmm. everybody goes through, you kind of feel like that. But for him, he does go into these dark slumps and you do, I do get afraid of them a little bit. You know, I, I do worry, obviously I'm his mother. I worry a lot about him, but um, I think this has helped being open and honest with him and creating an environment in my household where he can come to me and tell me that like, mom, today I feel really bad. Like, I wish I wasn't here. I wish I wasn't born. And then we can talk about it and kind of get him over that that hump. I and, think that's great. I was going to ask if if yeah. you guys talk about it openly, um, because a lot of teenagers, especially teenagers, won't talk to their parents openly about anything hardly. And I would think especially about suicide or having suicidal ideations or thoughts. Yeah, it was. It's been a journey, and it's been something that I've I've tried very very hard to create in my house. Um, there is nothing. I try really hard not to make anything taboo. So we talk about everything. And I think if you're a parent who has a child who you think might be depressed or who you think might be thinking about suicide, a lot of times you just got to ask. And it's, it's hard and it's awkward at first, but we need to stop being afraid of asking. Um, and I have asked him at flat out, are you, are you thinking of, of killing yourself? And it sounds so ugly. Like I even, flinch internally whenever I say things like that mm -hmm. but he's never been offended he's never been mad about it or anything like that and most of the time he's honest with me and or he'll say like no I don't know and then he'll write something out and then he'll he'll hand me a letter because it's harder for him to say it verbally and so he'll write it out so we have these this little journal mm -hmm. that we keep and if there's anything that's too difficult to talk about I tell him just write in your journal and you can give it to me and I will read it and then I will respond however you need me to respond. Um, and so that's been very helpful and very eye-opening because I think sometimes you just don't know what to say and writing is a little bit easier. Did you, did you research that? Anyway? I mean, that's an awesome idea. I didn't even think about that. Did you research that or did, is that something you just came up with to say, hey, if you can't talk to me about it, write it down and share it with me that way? I think it's 
it just came organically from me only because I'm a writer. So I know how hard it is for me to verbalize things. It's, it's much easier for me to write it down. My, my writing is way better. Well, that's, <laughs> me just that's talking, a fantastic idea but, because you're exactly right. I mean, it's much easier to write, write down something and I think you can get more of your emotions out and more honesty out and then share it with somebody. And that might lead to more conversation. But I think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, thank you. And I, I made sure to tell him, like, I think the pressure's off, too, because it's all like, you can give it to me today, tonight, tomorrow, next week. It doesn't matter. Just whenever you feel comfortable yeah, that, talking to me about this. That's, a, that's fantastic. That is absolutely amazing. I'm going to oh, – that's awesome. I, again, I've never – my background, I was a homicide investigator. I investigated a lot of suicides. I never thought to ask somebody to write something down first. And like you said, the pressure's off because they don't have to give it to you right then or right there. Um, so, amazing. Is, yeah, and then they'll be staring at you. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Are there any, do you know of any groups, organizations that help with suicide, either and dealing with them, either adults or children, for that matter, because, like you said, your kids and other kids are affected by suicides. Is there are there groups yeah. out there that are specifically for number one, I guess, suicide support, and then a subgroup, children of um, people who have committed suicide? Do you, are you aware of any? And I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I just, for my own knowledge. Yeah, I. You know, I have to get back to you on. A specific group. I want to say that there is one in Richmond, but I think there's only one. Um, but I'm not 100% sure. So I, if if you could probably put it in your info in your podcast, like under the details and stuff. Mm-hmm. But my number one um, resource is the pediatrician. Okay. You know, who do you see regularly? You see your pediatrician. They've grown up with this pediatrician, most likely, or at least have the medical history. Mm-hmm. And they are so well connected to counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists, and a lot of them, if you need to go the medication route, can start you on something or start your child on something if you feel comfortable with that. Um, Because my, my set, my, um, so I have, we had two boys together, one's 14 right now, one's 12. So um, my oldest, he does struggle with depression, but he's not medicated. He, we don't feel like medicine's the choice or the, the exact choice for him. He doesn't do well remembering taking medication and he, he doesn't, he thinks that like what we're doing right now is working and he does see a psychologist. Um, and we do talk to his pediatrician and medicine's on the table for us because I'm not very anti-medication or anything like that. I find that it's a tool. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people are very afraid of medicine, especially for their children, which totally makes sense. They're so young reactions are, you know, and side effects are a thing, but right now that that's working well without it. And then, um, my 12 year old, he has very bad anxiety and we did decide to medicate him with it um, and we we're followed by a psychiatrist um, a counselor and his pediatrician and it's been night and day so I, I find that it's a tool um, but yeah the pediatrician's my number one because they they're so well connected to the to the community that they should be able to point out a group for you or at least know somebody who knows a group if that makes sense because there there are mental health resources here in the United States and everywhere, but not as many, you know, like we're a little underserved when it comes to mental health resources. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's hard to find one, especially such a niche one. Um, I did when, um, I think we lived in Virginia beach and we found one. Um, I had to go, I think all the way to Hampton and it was so good. It was so great for them, but here in 
close to Richmond. I haven't really found one that we connected well with, mm -hmm. uh, but I think we're, we're doing okay at the house right now. Um, but yeah, there's always a group somewhere, but sometimes, especially if you live rural, it's not a feasible option because it's like an hour out of your way and, you know, people are busy and stuff. But again, the pediatrician That's is a, usually where I refer people. That, I didn't think about that either, but you, I think you're right on point on that one too. <clears throat> because you're right. That's who sees your child from the very beginning all the way up and they, they know and they, they should be plugged into the, um, to the counseling aspect of it. Mm -hmm. One of the, because um, I know you've done a lot of stuff with uh, suicides and suicide prevention. Um, what do you, what do you think people need to look for, and if they do suspect that someone might be thinking about it, um, what do you suggest that they do? So it's it's hard. I feel like if we knew every single time when somebody was feeling suicidal or severely depressed you know, everybody, everybody would be on it. Mm -hmm. I think it's like drowning. I read this article that said drowning doesn't look like drowning and it meant literal drowning. Mm -hmm. So if you have, and it, it was basically a, an article kind of warning you, Hey, if you see your children and they're out in the pool or in the, the ocean, the lake, wherever drowning isn't loud and it's not splashing and yelling. It's they're underwater. They don't, they can't have, they can't yell. There's nothing They're They're drowning. There's water in their mouth. And so it's a lot, it's very tricky to see. And that's why we have lifeguards. Um, and I feel like suicide, depression, things like that are very similar. If you've ever gone through depression or if you have ever felt suicidal, a lot of people say, I felt like I was drowning. And I went through a period of, um, I guess, prenatal depression. I did write a lot about that. And it was the scariest time in my life. I really think it was prenatally linked because I've never felt like that before or afterwards. Mm -hmm. But it did. It felt like drowning. And nobody knew. And it was insane because I felt like I, I was, like, right there drowning in front of people. And, you know, later people asked, like, well, why didn't you say something? And I remember telling a therapist afterwards because I did do a little bit of therapy way afterward. Um, I felt like... I was drowning. So if I opened my mouth to say anything, the whole ocean would have poured in. So I didn't know how to say anything. And it's unfair to the people around me to really be like, this is your fault. Cause I didn't feel like it was anybody else's fault, but there are signs um, and symptoms of depression and signs and that maybe somebody's thinking of suicide and sometimes they're not, or sometimes they're so subtle, you miss it. But but if you see that somebody starts to overeat and they never did or lose a ton of weight because they're not eating, if they lose interest in everything that they used to, you know, they they used to like, if they used to contact you every now and again to go out and now you're like, you know what, I haven't heard from them in like a long time. What's going on? They're hard to reach, um, things like that. And you see them withdrawing. Those are definitely signs. And I think if you suspect it, even if you're wrong, you need to get over that fear of offending somebody and just ask them like, hey, and not, hey, how are you? Because in the United States, we use, hey, how are you as a greeting, not an, as an actual question. Right. We don't care how you are necessarily. It's just you're, saying hi. Yeah. 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 We're saying hi. You mm -hmm. say good and you leave. Right. Um, and so, so, and even if you mean it, like I say, hey, how are you all the time? And sometimes I say, hey, how are you? And I, I mean it. We need to change that statement because- that's how we're programmed to think about it. Like, oh, okay, they're just saying, hey. So really asking poignant questions like, hey, 
did you shower today or did you did you eat today? Have you eaten? Um, can I do this for you? Or, hey, man, I haven't heard from you in a while. Just wanted to check in on you and, and things like that. And I think even if they brush it off like, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. You reaching out a lot will show them that you care about them and you're thinking about them. Um, with And the reason I say the shower thing, that's more of a somebody just had a baby or is pregnant or something like that or, or maybe went through a surgery or something where showering is important and mm-hmm. very hard to do. Not, you know, don't just like just everybody, but like for teenagers, if you see them really withdrawing, sometimes that's, we chalk it up to like, oh, they're just being teenagers. But even if it's just every day sitting next to them and being quiet, that's, that's amazing for most people. Just being there, mm-hmm. holding space is what it's called, where you don't really need to say anything and you don't really need to do anything, but just holding that space to give them the opportunity in the room to talk. And if they don't talk, your presence is a lot. But if you feel like your friend, your family member, your child is thinking about suicide, then you need to ask, are you thinking about suicide? Do you think that you're depressed? And a lot of people are like, well, what if they lie? And well, then they lie. But if you don't ask, then you don't know anyway. And you you at least ask them, you put it out there. So maybe that, that will let them know that you're thinking about them. Yes. And I... I think most people respond better to yes, no questions, especially when they're overwhelmed, than open-ended questions. Are because they're easier to answer and it's easier to, to say yes or no than to come up with some, um, the way you're feeling or anything like that necessarily? Yeah, and I also think that it's because there's not necessarily the words to explain what's happening. Because I remember when I was pregnant, um, with my daughter, that was when I had the prenatal depression. I didn't know what was happening. I just know that I felt terrified of myself. I felt like I was going to hurt myself. So if you asked, how are you? I would have said, fine, because I didn't know how to explain. Mm -hmm. But if you would have given me a questionnaire or asked me directly, are you having any thoughts of like, are you paranoid? Are you scared that you might hurt yourself? I would have said yes, but nobody asked me. And I didn't know how to formulate that that sentence. So there's a disconnect. And, there's like a disconnect between the person who is going through it and the person who's asking about it because the person who's going through it doesn't necessarily, like you said, doesn't necessarily, you didn't ask, so they don't want to answer or that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people don't want to be a burden. I don't know how many people say like, oh, I don't feel like being a burden. I don't want to burn anybody. I don't want to feel like people are just feeling sorry for myself, or, you know, for me. And they're just doing this for making themselves feel better. And one big thing that we say often is like, oh, call me if you need anything. No one's going to call you, yeah. you know, because yeah. it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to call. It's hard to reach out. It's scary. And then you're already struggling. So better would be like, hey, I'm going to drop off dinner next next week what day is good because then that's something that that it lifts some it lifts some labor off of them they don't have to cook for that day so that's good you know for that that evening and that's great and for for children your your children a lot of times it's just like hey let's sit let's watch a movie let's um just connecting or doing something that that bonds with them and not harping them on school or anything like that but really asking pointed questions What's one great thing that happened today? And if they're like, oh, I don't know, that's fine. But just asking them little <laughs> questions. You know, it's it's more about 
I'm saying this and I'm asking these questions so that you know I care about you rather than being like, I need you to perform for me and you to answer all of these things. Just kind of being there, I think, is is the biggest thing. And validating what they're feeling. Because I know that my son is open about his um, depression at school, even with friends and stuff. And he has found a lot of kids come to him and talk to him about it because he's open. He's a, he's shared something vulnerable about himself. And so they trust him with, you know, sharing something vulnerable themselves. And so I think that's also very important is validating it. Sometimes not necessarily on purpose, but as adults, sometimes we trivialize what they're going through if they're anxious or depressed about friends or high school or you know it's not a big deal and in the grand scheme of our entire lives it's not a big deal but to what them, happens in ninth is. grade <laughs> yes right. the whole world it is and we don't i think you're right we totally forget that and we forget what it's like mm-hmm. to be in their situation in the ninth grade or in whatever grade they're in yeah yeah and it's it's very stressful and then especially now especially now like we've never gone through a pandemic you know so they they see the news as much as we try to shelter them from it they see they see the news they hear it they they hear what their friends do they're on social media all the time they're going to be exposed so also talking about it and bringing it up i think is important right now because i know that a lot of kids are feeling very depressed and anxious because they've had to stay home they're isolated from friends or other family. They didn't really get that school system. A lot of them are worried about what next year is going to look like. Well, this upcoming school year, like, oh my gosh, I didn't learn as much last year. My grades tanked. Mm -hmm. And those are very valid, real concerns and it affects our mental health. And I think we need to remember that as well. They're so little and they're still learning and they're still kind of growing up and trying to figure out where they are in, in the world. And all of this awfulness is being shown to them. Gloria, you're, I got to say, you're amazing. The way you, your outlook and the way you, the the way you see things, um, just amazing. The, um, (laughs) would you be willing to come back and do another episode on different topics? Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely love to, um, yeah. Anytime. Just let me know. Um, I did want to, if we're, going to wrap this up i did want to at least give some hotlines out absolutely please do no no take your time please do yeah so the this the national suicide hotline just for for anybody um to call is 1-800-273-8255 since i am talking about children especially there is a text line because we know that our youth today love to text. They don't, you know, they're, they're awkward over the phone. They don't like talking. So texting, you can text the word talk, T-A-L-K, to 741-741. And then the very last one that I just found out about is for our LGBTQ youth. And it's very specific for them. Um, and it's one 356 6998 And I think having that additional hotline is awesome especially because their concerns are a little different than you know than straight children if that makes sense because a lot of their depression anxiety things like that sometimes comes from bullying and Mm -hmm. and other other concerns and so i think having people that understand where you're coming from is better just kind of like the text line is a little bit more specific to kind of younger adults and children um 
all of that is is great. I, plus, I love the more resources there are, the better. If there's like a hundred different hotlines and websites, I'd be so excited. <laughs> a- abs- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's been. I tell you, I got more than I bargained for. Um, I think you're just amazing. Again, your attitude is just amazing. Um, and and we definitely want you to come back and talk again. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me and for letting me talk about everything. I hope that really does help. Um, Absolutely. Do you have now? Do you have a, Do you have a website or do you have any? Um, I know you do a lot of writing. Yeah, I do. Uh, most so I, I I say more like I'm an emerging writer because I've written okay. for a long time, but I'm finally starting to publish and being like brave enough to publish. Um, I <laughs> do. I publish most of my articles through Medium. So okay. if you want to see a lot of them, um, what's my name on there? I don't even remember. I think it's Untitled. <laughs> Untitled by Gloria. By Gloria. Yep. On Medium. And um yeah. Or you can just like search Gloria Miles. On Instagram, I know I am at untitled underscore by underscore Gloria. And untitled because I never know what to title my pieces until like way after. <laughs> and um, but those are where I share a lot of stuff. You're on LinkedIn too, right? I am. I am. And it's just Gloria Miles there. Okay. So which I think is a very generic name, so it may or may not pop up right away, but that's fine. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it, and I definitely want yeah, to have you back you. as well. Yeah, I'd be delighted. All right. Well, All right well, have a great day. <laughs> All right. Take care of yourself. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it, guys. Gloria is an amazing speaker and has tons of information. She's agreed to come back on additional podcasts so I can pick her brain some more. If you think someone you know is suicidal, ask them about it and really listen to their answer. Let them know you're there for them and you take the initiative to keep on checking. Do your best to not let them drown silently. Take care of each other. Thanks for listening.